I hope everybody has found themselves a nice warm place to be tonight with me because it is cold and it's going to get real snowy. It's going to get real snowy. And that's that's what they say at least. It might start by the time I uh I I've left here. But we're going to get some snow overnight. So it looks like at the very last moment there, old man winter is pushing just a couple of inches. <laughs> just just pushing a couple of inches in there. And uh, and that'll be that'll be our winter. Uh, who knows if I'll even have to take out the yard machine. I might just turn it into a workout tomorrow morning and just go all by shovel. But uh, I'm excited for the idea that perhaps the chance that Aurora could go and make her first snow angel. She's been waiting to do that for a while. So she's excited about that. I'd be I'd be really excited to see that. So um, other than all of the weather updates over here in New York, I think that we're going to have a good, a good show tonight. A good trendsetter for what is going to be a very busy week. Rich Barris is coming on. He is uh, restarting his last Monday of every month appearance schedule so that'll be great after tonight we'll see him the last Monday in oh no 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 last Monday in March we're gonna have to find another day because that'll be a book club night that'll be the last book club night for a brave new world with Jay Dyer so maybe we'll do that on a Tuesday with Rich in March anyway I'll work that out he's gonna be on tonight to do a lot of catch-up I want to ask him about we'll bring up the Woody Harrelson thing on Saturday Night Live and all of the all of the uh, the, the COVID mea culpas and and uh, television allowing things like that to actually go live then there's Ukraine I just want to see where people I want to ask him where people's sentiments are with that especially since it it has to be so apparent now to the regime the global regime that people want it less and less this fucking proxy war that uh, Zelensky was was slapping Americans who didn't want to the the war on the back of the hands on Friday you remember we were doing that so uh, it's definitely the polling and the unpopularity of this conflict of this scam is certainly well known so I want to see what Rich is doing on that end and then we got to talk about Scott Adams Scott Adams getting himself into a little bit of hot water, though I don't really think he he cares. And uh, I think he's doing it for a, a very specific purpose, and that is that he is, as he said, he's one of the few people that can go out there and float float himself through his own cancellation to be able to to uh, to uh, speak to a poll that came out with Rasmussen, and the theme that is captured inside the poll. And it's very, very racial. Has to do with race relations between white people and black people. Specifically, um, perception of white people by black Americans. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that because whereas everybody is getting very upset. And, you know, I'm not really a, a big fan of of Scott Adams. I used to follow him a lot. And then, you know, I don't, I, I don't keep tabs on people. But there was just a, a point where... It started, you know, he started getting very douchey. I, no, no ill will. Uh, you know, of course, we just listened to his 
his admitting that he was wrong on the vaccines and all the other um, all the other protocols to to stop the spread. And uh, we we did that. I don't wish anybody ill ill. Uh, and in this respect, I think it's worthy to listen to what he had to say. Although he did it very ham-fisted, and because he did that, it was easy enough. It was it was far more easy for people to attack his his reaction than actually talk about the fact that nobody's disagreeing with the 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 polling. Okay, it was just the reaction that's the thing, and and it, and it ties into much bigger societal issues. So we're going to talk about that. And I'll see what else will come up with Rich. I, I'm pretty sure that he'll be on for at least an hour tonight because it's been a couple of months since we've spoken, and it's uh, a lot, a lot, a lot's been happening. Is this is this Rich's first time on in the new year? It might be. It might be. Anyhow, I'm glad that you guys are here with me. All right, I want to thank my sponsors for tonight. That is Blue Monster Prep, BlueMonsterPrep.com. Uh, a lot of people have been. Uh, uh, have been inquiring about specialty items now like gas masks because just leave it to the world leave it to the world and leave it to the news cycle to let us know just how many ways we are unprepared for things you can never think you, know, you think to plan for chemical disaster in the middle of the uh, in the middle of uh, America's breadbasket so it's um, it's things like that are going on and Pat and Gina are nearby the phones and they are talking to a lot of Franklies in the audience about everything. Food, communication, first aid, you name it. And the big item for this this month has been a lot of inquiries into gas masks for those types of disasters and situations too. So that I want to thank them. BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY when you're checking out and all of your shipping gets taken off. And uh, they're always sending you free stuff when you hit certain thresholds. So wonderful people uh into the grab bag we go oh wait 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 a couple of reminders tomorrow here's what we got going on jose vega he's a young activist from new york he's going to be on with us for the short show to talk about this this uh standoff he had at an event us where where what's his name hakeem jeffries was speaking he's the new golden boy for the the democrats in the house he's going to be their new speaker whenever they find a way to steal the house again and uh, he, he had a wonderful standoff with him about supporting Ukraine and trying to avert a really costly war uh, in, in, in more than one way, certainly beyond financial there. People are worried about actually getting incinerated. So he's going to be on with us tomorrow for the short show to talk a little bit about his, his work and, and, uh, and what, he was, what was going through his mind and everything during this, uh, this, this show of you know, his presence. It was a really great thing. I'll play the video for you tomorrow. Jeffrey Peterson is going to be on with us on Wednesday, March 1st. Jeffrey Peterson, he was on with us for the first time in like the first half of 2019 to talk about what he dubbed the Arizona Mafia. And now over the last three or four days, we have seen all of this, uh, the these hearings, all of the footage and the the, the breaking news coming out of these hearings wherein it is being shown, the receipts are being provided that Katie Hobbs, though I'm sure nothing will endanger her career out there in Arizona, 
um, that Katie Hobbs, like so many others in government along the southern border, are in bed with the cartels. And that was exactly what Jeffrey Peterson was talking about in 2019 and several other appearances that he came on the show. And so I want him to come on, not just for a victory lap. I want to do some, I want to do some uh, brush up and nut shelling for everybody, but also just to, just to talk about this and to, to bring it up again. You can go and check. I've, I've posted it several times on Twitter, especially in comment sections for people who are calling my attention to it. So, yeah, Jeffrey Peterson will be back on on Wednesday. On Thursday, we got Stephen Jonathan on to talk about the role of theology in authentic uh, education and language, the true meaning of science. On March 3rd, that's Friday, Dr. Peter McCullough returns. And that night, I'm also going to have Jay Gulinello in the studio. Matt may be here, too. I, I don't know. It'll be a packed house, but obviously I'll have a very limited time with with uh, Dr. McCullough. So maybe Jay, if he has a technical question or two, maybe he can get something in. But the second hour of that show, we'll be able to just digest what we, we learned and then expand topics into other other areas of health and nutrition. And that's how we'll close out the show, the week. It's going to be a very busy week. It's going to be Friday night before you know it. That's what kind of a busy week this is going to be. So that's what we have. All right. And also tonight, also tonight, we'll be doing the C.S. Lewis book raffle right after the intermission. Lauren printed out all the names that I downloaded off of, quite frankly, superchat.com. Cut them all out with their associated emails if you had them. There's about, there's about 80 names in here. Everybody's name only counted once, of course. So we'll see who wins the great divorce in the second half tonight with all my liner notes and and highlights and that's it. And then tomorrow I will put the book club live for everybody to enjoy it now that it's all over and that was back in January. Ready, into the grab bag we go. First one up, winter may finally arrive. We already did that. Here's Zelensky. Nope, that's a blank screen. Here is Zelensky saying Ukraine is prepping to attack Crimea now. So it's not just about taking back what is uh, been lost and will never go back in the eastern regions of formerly Ukraine. But now they're going to turn back the hands of time and they're going to invade and recapture Crimea. So this is, they're not stop. they're not stopping. See, th this is why it's always an evolving conversation. Two weeks ago when we were talking about UFOs and now there's there's nothing unidentified in the air anymore. Nothing about what's going on in our skies above us uh, is unidentified anymore. That's all done and done with. For a moment there, I thought, are they going to play the alien card? And could it possibly be to create some kind of a higher priority to take us away from this inevitable catastrophe in Ukraine? Nope. <laughs> no, no, and that's not, that's not it. That's not it, obviously, because now they're looking to take back Crimea. So there's that. Marianne Williamson, we played a little bit from her, played a little, little bit from her uh, about a, it was last week, where she said that she's treated nicer by conservatives than the left. Well, she is going to head going ahead to North 
uh, New Hampshire and South Carolina in a long shot bid against Biden, which it's not a long shot. He's not a popular person. It's not a long shot. It's just that he's the guy. It's, It's just she's being blocked out. He wasn't even the favorite. He wasn't even near the top three before everybody mysteriously bowed out before Super Tuesday to make sure that he was was the recipient of like five other candidates' votes. But she has no no chance. So yes, I guess it is a long shot, but it's not because there's there there's going to be an honest competition in popularity and ideas and all that other stuff. It's just business as usual. You think that she would learn from what happened to Bernie Sanders the last two elections, you know? Uh, but no, she has not. And I I did go and research all of her websites and shit like that. I couldn't find any email because I do my own booking. But I did find that she has open messages on her Instagram, which I emailed her. I, I messaged her there and said, I would love to have you on the show. We're on the opposite sides of the world politically. But if you're ever in New York, I'd love to have you in the studio. I think I'd have a really fun time talking to her. I do. I'll, I'd bring up the night that she blessed everybody's buttocks and colons. I always love that where she's she's praying for healing, for healing, for healing. And um, and she did two separate prayers for the colon, but also for the buttocks, for the actual cheeks. <laughs> I think I'd have a great time with Marianne Williamson. I Oh, man. Oh, what a good time that would be. So she, I, I tried. We'll see what happens. Then we had this Woody Harrelson. 27 seconds that made everybody go, whoa, why did Lorne Michaels allow this to be said on Saturday Night Live during a monologue? Why was this allowed to be said? During the monologue, he is discussing a almost like a, a fictitious kind of a script that he was presented or whatever that he that he had turned down because it's just too fantastical. Nobody would ever believe it be, be, to be possible. Well, I'm going to let you hear what the script is about. And then when we go into the intermission, we'll come back and read a really nice article from Brownstone about this. And, uh, and then we'll go right into our talk with Richard Barris. Here is... Woody Harrelson. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartels' drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is gonna believe that crazy idea? Okay. I mean, talk about people not knowing how to react. If you thought, if you thought that Stephen Colbert was confusing the shit out of his audience when he was retraining them live in a studio setting on what to think about James Comey after his firing, because obviously before James Comey was fired, they all thought that he was terrible because he reopened an investigation in the last couple of days before the election into Hillary Clinton, and everybody blamed him for the 75 uh, the seventy-five vote electoral college shellacking that she got. Then once he was fired by Donald Trump, then everybody, if you don't love James Comey, then you are a Trump sycophant and everybody didn't know where, you know, they're just trying to be good clapping seals. Obviously, everybody in this place 
I'd have to say 99% plus all had at least three boosters. So, and, and suddenly he's describing a situation in which they were held hostage. And that was the basis for all their decision making on the subject, which it was. I mean, if they wanted to do it, that's just a, merely a convenience because if they didn't do it, they would have felt they would have felt the heat. They would have felt the heat and they would have realized, oh, I didn't have a choice. Well, yes, they would have, but they would have had to take in the slings and arrows. That's Woody Harrelson. Very curious, very curious moment, half a, half a minute moment over there on SNL. And, uh, and that's what we have. Uh, of course, Kanakoa the Great put this up on, on uh, Twitter shortly afterwards. He said, Woody Harrelson, the biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media. And immediately the media, here is four examples. Rolling Stone, Woody Harrelson spreads anti-vax conspiracies during SNL monologue. Daily Beast, Woody Harrelson spews anti-vax conspiracy. Actually, he didn't spew shit. He just said it. You know, has to be spewing and hurling. And well, no, it didn't. He didn't do any of that. It seemed pretty calm to me. Huffington Post. I didn't even know that was still a thing. Woody Harrelson rambles about weed, anti-vax conspiracy, and SNL monologue. Oh, maybe maybe he was high, right? And then Variety. Woody Harrelson's Saturday Night Live monologue makes COVID conspiracy jokes. Actually, yeah, it was a conspiracy, and he made a joke about it. People didn't laugh because they didn't know how they should react because part of the conspiracy was beating people's personalities into submission and locking it away in the boo box. They don't know. They don't even know what what's what would be crossing the line anymore. They don't want to contradict themselves too much. So that's what we have. I have a nice little article to read on the other side of the the opening for you guys. I lowered the bit rate. And I lowered the frames per second on my stream over here to all to Theta, Foxhole, Twitch, DLive, Rumble, YouTube, and Rockfin. I hope that it has taken care of some of the buffering issues on Rumble. I pray that it is because I don't know what to do after this. I really don't. Um, but anyway, I shared all of the live links for tonight's episode through all the socials that I have, Twitter, telegram and beyond please go out there and help me syndicate the show tonight and share it retweet it reblog it whatever you got going on and send in those super chats i'll be checking them throughout the evening like 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 the show help me get on out there to at least those who are already subscribed and i will talk to you in just about one minute godfather i don't know what to do i don't know what to do you can act like a man what's the matter with you is this how you turn down a Hollywood Pinocchio that uh, cries like a woman? <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? What is that nonsense? Look at you. spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man that doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. 
And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Let's hope. But the fire is so delightful. I just turned the fire off. I had the, the space heater, which is a nice little fireplace, very cozy. I put it over there to take the edge out of the room because it was kind of it was kind of nipply in here. Kind of nipply, but I'm wearing a black shirt, so nobody would know. And I, uh, yeah, now now we're we're good. Let it snow outside though. It's fine. I have the. I have the uh, the four-wheel drive with me tonight. All right, so what do we have? What do we have? I've got a little... I, I, you know, I told you I like the Brownstone Institute, brownstone.org. Not necessarily a conservative, um, you know, not, not necessarily anything like that. They have a whole bunch of people writing on their staff, but I've always found their, their reporting to be pretty fair. And good conversation starters. Here is a, a headline I want to read through with you. Woody Harrelson demonstrates the pain of truth. In the course of an otherwise unmeaningful monologue on Saturday Night Live, Woody Harrelson let go with a remarkable theory of the COVID era. Imagine that. It was supposed to be hilarious, but why should it be? In a world in which people were long over this, all the investigations have been done and the condemnations issued, and masses of people are fully cognizant of the underlying reality and all its horrors. His flippant remarks would have been funny. Instead, the audience sat there in stunned silence. Are they even allowed to laugh? Woody Harrelson, with the intuition of a great comic, quickly moved to the next point and then closed out the opening. In other words, it's too soon, as they say. Too soon for laughter, but it's not too soon for truth. His words were pretty simple. He tells a fictional story of finding a movie script. In the plot, he says, quote, The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. And people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. He finishes by saying that such a movie could not be made because it's too implausible. What's strange about his observation is just how close to reality we are discovering that story truly is. Initially, I was pretty sure that the lockdowns extended from a primitive intellectual error, the belief that respiratory pathogens like cooties could be made non-vexing by simply eliminating human contact. It's a preposterous supposition and one deeply dangerous to the whole idea of human freedom. When the masks came along, it struck me as tremendously obvious that their only purpose was to give people a means to believe that they were doing something. Plus, they provide an effective symbol of a panicked epoch that many people wanted to last as long as possible. 
Even in April 2020, when the former head of virology for the Gates Foundation called me and told me very clearly that the whole idea of lockdowns was to wait for the vaccine, I could not process the information. This is because I knew, based on my reading, that there would be no sterilizing vaccine for a coronavirus. A new technology claiming to stop infection and spread would require many years of testing, maybe 10. We cannot stay locked down that long. Society would be in ruins. The caller assured me that it was coming much sooner. I found that to be ridiculous, even dangerous. But I still had not made the connection. The purpose of the lockdown was to buy time for the production and distribution of a vaccine. An even darker interpretation of lockdowns would be that influential people need to uh, preserve population-wide immunological naivete in order to demonstrate the value of vaccine technology. As for media and politicians, the idea that they are bought off by Big Pharma is no longer in dispute. We've seen too many running reels of brought to you by Pfizer from every form of entertainment, and we've seen the receipts. So Harrelson's story is not entirely wrong. Indeed, in the guise of comedy, he has come closer to truth than any mainstream venue of entertainment has yet to reveal. And, as it turns out, his views are rather well developed, as we can tell from another interview that he did, with uh, you probably saw this this was another um this was another appearance about it this is about a minute long clip that he did on uh bill maher's podcast here listen to this because we have some time there's the cdc promoting that we have to do all of these things right i just i don't like profiteering in war you know right. think of the billions of dollars that have gone to big pharma but i'm i was getting back to my original point the last people i would trust with my health is big pharma and big government because neither one of those strike me as caring entities. Spoken you know? as the perfect redneck hippie. Really, <laughs> if that message doesn't... I mean, well, the, they're no, all about it's, profit. It's, exactly. They're all about profit. And both sides and know that. it's obscene the profit they've made. I think they've done a lot of studies about vitamin D and how important it was when the people who had low levels, they were much more... Um, vulnerable to COVID. Why not yeah. tell people that? Can't yeah. you make money selling vitamin D? Is it that kind of, what's the well, worst that could but, happen? But that's just it, man. There was only one thing, you know, the, the ivermectin got made into a, you know, horse tranquilizer, uh, a horse, whatever it is. Which it is, but also one, used one, by humans. Uh, it used by millions and millions, millions of humans. Uh, hydroxychloroquine got uh, made ridiculous um, and there was only one thing that could work and that's the vaccine right and so ultimately because of that billions of dollars was made yeah hundreds of billions remember 100 billion dollars for Pfizer alone in 2022 but still um, it's so obviously he's this is what is occupying his consciousness very very well thought out and he has this all that's ready to go but on on snl i'm pretty sure that's your opening your opening monologue is teleprompted it's just it's just, it's teleprompted it's right there in front of you so i i have to imagine unless he completely went off book and just threw that in there because he knew it wouldn't have gotten a pr or, or maybe they said go for it again but again why it's it's interesting. Anyway, to finish this up before we call up Rich, 
Brownstone goes on to say, there has been a conspiracy of silence and still. The trauma was so deep and the politicization of the episode so intense that major voices are still silent about it. Harrelson's comment likely will not change that. The usual people will emerge to condemn him as a conspiracy theorist and probably claim that he has been listening to too much QAnon, whatever that is, or that he has been hypnotized by some red-pilled influencer. He has certainly made himself a target. It is much safer, uh, safer never to speak out, never to point out the elephant in the room, never to disturb people's illusions or upset powerful industrial interests, but he did it anyway. And yes, of course, there is so much more to say about the role of government and the military-style footing on which the whole of society in most parts of the world landed. And the carnage goes far beyond an annoying year or so of staying home. Education, culture, religion, and civil society itself was smashed. As brown, as a brownstone reader, you are likely uh, you are uh, uh, you are likely ready to embrace the truth, whatever it is. But the most of the rest of society is in most countries. We still live in a land of taboo, and it's an intense one. The veil of myth that surrounds the great trauma of our lives needs rending at some point. Perhaps it starts just this way, with truth-telling fables in the guise of comedy that fall flat on shocked audiences who prefer to keep up the illusion that all of this happened in the name of public health. <laughs> Very well done. That's why I love the Brownstone Institute. Well done. Good, insightful stuff. Not very long read. That was written by Jeffrey Tucker. We've definitely done quite a few of his articles, and that's what we have. All right, so we will start with that. We will start with that as we welcome our good friend, Richard Barris, back to the show. Rich, how you doing? Hey, brother, living the dream, man. How oh, about you? I love this background. Oh, yeah. This, this is new. That's right. You haven't seen this. No, I haven't. Is this, is this the first time that we're talking on, on the show in the, in the first, in New Year? Yeah, it is. Okay. That's what, you know, Laura and I were talking, the last the last time we spoke, we were talking about culture and Christmas and yep. how things have changed. Dangerous toys. Dangerous toys. Dangerous toys. Yeah, that was a great one. Wow. It's, it's here, I'm telling you, man, here's here's another three months almost just gone. And, uh, and so we have a, it, it means we have a lot to talk about. Now, the first thing I want to just throw in your lap is a continuation of what I was just reading, and that is Woody Harrelson. Um you don't you can comment whatever you like about about his his balls to go up there and him being allowed to go up there and say that on on Saturday night live but more so um are you guys still polling uh social controls related to covid and and epidemiology and trying to trying to keep people healthy if you are what what's the sentiment on this are people sick of it are are they showing any signs or or, or willingness to ever put a mask on again cuz everybody fears they're going to try this again soon and we just have to we have to be you know firm in our footing so what are you seeing on that end yeah, I think the signs were there, and I'll just address that first. Uh, we are coming up on the one year about how much trust people put in these officials anymore, these public health officials. They began to crater. The CDC cratered in our last poll. People just don't believe them anymore. Fauci got very unfavorable. So the signs were there already for this, Frank. I don't think um, that they could bring back these masks. And I mean, they, they could try. 
But I think this time they're, they're going to meet with some pretty significant resistance. And then, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble or anything, but there's been a lot of studies out uh, since then. And it just didn't work out for them, Frank. Not only them, but the respirators. I mean, that not e there's not even any good data behind that. So, you know, it's not like they have these things to, to point to anymore. And so many of these consensus scientists ha uh, are getting discredited left and right. They're being, uh, you know, they're being challenged left and right. Um, you know, so but with that, with Woody Harrelson, the first thing in mind comes that came to my mind was this. You know, I'm not sure I care a whole lot about what celebrities think. And Woody Harrelson's kind of a little bit different because he, like others like Dennis Quaid, they're they're living in these blue areas, and there's certain things that make Woody Harrelson very liberal, but liberal according to the old uh, standards of what a liberal is, which, by the way, I think I, I share a lot of those. You know, what a liberal was 30 years ago was not the same of what a liberal is now. Plus, his background um, gives him a unique perspective, which is, you know, he's not from those areas, ne neither is somebody like Dennis Quaid or Randy Quaid, for that matter. You know, so when I would say this is what jumped out at me, which was, you know, two years ago, three years ago, all through the Trump administration, all of these people thought they were being crea creative and courageous, you know, going to Saturday Night Live, doing these things. All of these musicians, you have people like, you know, all these wannabe, um, you know, trendsetters uh, going to the White House and just folding to the COVID mania. And it's like, we grew up in the era of rage against the machine, Frank, right? Yeah. And somehow all of these artists, these rebels became the machine. What Woody Harrelson did, that's courageous. Going against the trend, and I'm not saying he agrees with everything. So if you're on the right, don't expect Woody Harrelson to always agree with you. But I think when it comes to that populist right, he is emblematic of that, that synergy that you know you see with the old left and the new right. And, uh, you know, again, I just I wanted to what would jump to my head and what I'd really want to point out about that is it takes courage to go against everyone. It doesn't take courage to 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 march in lockstep like a nutcracker, man, like you're in the hive mind, you know, and that's what all of these losers have been doing while they pretend to be raging against the machine. That's raging against the machine. Yeah, and and, I, and I've been wondering when the chickens were really going to start coming home to roost and where where people especially in, in, in these like little safe zones for propaganda, like news news media or wherever there's going to be public appearances by any of these Fauci types, where they're going to be made to feel a little bit uncomfortable, where it's not a controlled environment for, uh, for, for discourse and dialogue and all that stuff. Because you know what, Rich, at this point, uh, I'm becoming more and more conscience, conscious of the, the, the years lost. When you start realizing, especially now that I, I have a I have a child, when you have a, when you realize how precious two years really is, um, what what happens over the course, what could be missed, what could be it just so much. I mean, we had time stolen from us, Rich. I mean, we have money stolen from us all the time, but three years for someone who may have only had four to live, you know. Uh, you, you tell me. Which uh, which three years of your life that you would have been you would have felt was more most convenient to have lost? You, do you think of any three years in your life that you would said, "Oh, you, you could take those," and uh, and I'll sit in a. We were all put in prison. Jeffrey Epstein on house arrest in Florida had more privileges than we did under COVID. You know that that's something that we all got to remember, and I, I really hope that the anger does not go away. 
Yeah, you're a father now. So, uh, you know, there, there, there's no doubt. And our children are still relatively young. But think about if your daughter missed out on her prom yep. or graduation or uh, you had a kid who needed really to run for track and field to get that scholarship. That didn't happen. They government has been robbing people of money for a really long time. But, to, you know, in Fauci, you know, they, they don't care at all about that. Fauci laid that out perfectly when he said, oh, stop it. This is just economically inconvenient. I understand, you know, uh, as if it's you know not a, dis a total disaster for some people in their way of life. But when you start to begin to rob time from people, you know, life is precious. We get one and you never know how much you have left. People couldn't bury their parents. You know, people couldn't go and see their parents in the final, uh, you know, some, some of them, I know people in their final moments that couldn't do it. I know people who couldn't bury them, uh, you know, and even the truth be told, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure anyone doesn't have a, everyone doesn't have a story like that. I myself, you know, did definitely did not get to spend as much time with somebody that I would have wanted to. So that's stuff that you can't forgive them for because you can't get it back. Yep. Yep. So uh, let's from COVID to Ukraine. Uh, it's apparent that no matter who is doing the polling, the sentiments of support, the, the, the sentiments of, of Americans who support this expensive proxy war, uh, it, that is plummeting. The support polls are plummeting because last week President Zelensky was asked by some BBC reporter about the falling support that they're seeing in the West, most notably in America. And he went on, uh, Zelensky pretty much went on to almost like slap our wrists and insist that we must keep paying the price because everything is, is hinging on it. I don't know what everything is. Biden keep, he made this trip to Europe. He keeps going on and on about the strength of NATO, even though this is not a, this is none of NATO's business, never was. And then we had the Nord Stream terrorism re revelations where it's never been clearer that we are the greater threat to NATO than Russia. So what's the status of your work on Ukraine right now, all aspects of it? Yeah, I mean, look, that too has been something that, I mean, we all really should have expected. The war drums, and I say this all the time, war propaganda is the hardest uh, for the population to resist. America is uh, what you could call a myth-believing society. They believe things when politicians stage uh, testimony where uh, Iraqis are throwing babies out of incubators. They believe stuff like that, the Gulf of Tonkin, WMDs, and on and on and on, right? So... Then the support collapses because the truth is Americans aren't particularly aggressive by themselves. Their government is, but they are not uh, particularly aggressive. They kind of just want to live and let live. It was always the case because we always ask people, and this is the way we do it, you know, do you support sending humanitarian aid? Do you support sending lethal aid? Do you support, uh, if it's necessary, you know, uh, using U.S. air assets or whatever it may be to actually strike Russian targets, or in the case of Taiwan, you could say Chinese targets. We always do it th like this. And then do you support boots on the ground? The truth has always been that Americans were never willing to escalate this conflict with Russia to, to back Ukraine. And Zelensky, what he's saying is that at this point, he this is about self-preservation for Vladimir Zelensky. If it was about the Ukrainian people, then he wouldn't let the Biden administration talk him into launching an offensive he knows he's going to lose. Rich, he's, Rich how the, many the, Ukrainians are going to die in this failed upcoming effort to take Crimea back? Exactly, Crimea? exactly. 
I mean, I mean, it's one thing. It's one thing to even hold on to that that ridiculous hope that you're going to take back those those eastern Donbas regions. But but to now say that they're going to reconquer Crimea, like, well, what do you? Do? It's it's suicidal. I think they actually want to get Zelensky killed. I think that he. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that they really do want to ramp this stuff up. I mean, Frank, I, I was saying this in the show uh, last week, the end of last week, and then this week it's important for people to know who these people are who are now in charge secretary austin defense secretary austin an abject failure his entire professional career has stated on multiple occasions that he does not believe in the bedrock foundation principle in this country of civilian control over the military that's who's in charge of the defense department right now all right in the state department Tony Blinken, three decades long history of not believing in diplomacy. He had a no peace talk policy towards Saddam Hussein, argued for it, even gave a report to uh, the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee, who, by the way, who was it chaired by at the time? Joseph R. Biden from Delaware, where he said we should talk to Saddam under no circumstances and that nothing Iraq can do will really meet our standards anyway, so you might as well just launch the missiles, Mm -hmm. right? This is who these people are. And now we know from the New York Times report this weekend that they had the same thing. Mark Milley, of all people, said Ukraine doesn't have a prayer in hell. They did good in the beginning, you know, uh, repelling Russian uh, invaders, in some areas of the country, but most of the Ukrainian gains were really just a result of Putin's tactical retreats. Mm-hmm. That's it. And he said, you know, we should get to the peace talks now before Ukraine has no leverage whatsoever. And they shut that down. So we have a secretary of defense who doesn't believe in civilian control over the military. And we have the nation's top diplomat who doesn't believe in diplomacy. This is where we're at. If that doesn't scare the hell out of all of you, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Get off the drugs. Wake up. Uh, the only thing that makes me, I don't know, I, I maybe hopeful, uh, obviously there's there's a lot of brain-dead people in this country, no doubt, but I, I think I think that Vladimir Putin is, is taking into consideration that, uh, if, especially from the approach in Ukraine thus far, uh, if he, he's been doing this entire thing with hopping on one leg and one hand tied behind his back. He, he's there's obviously some kind of restraint that he does not want to cause more destruction than is necessary to to achieve some kind of a military uh, defeat. He knows the psychopaths that are at the head of state across the West and that the people sentiment of the people does not reflect the psychopathy that we are up against right now. There's got to be, so I'm just hoping that he's considering ways of, uh, of achieving his goals without taking out the people who are, we're just as hijacked as anybody else is. You know, we're, we're, we're over here in a, we're, we're riding a crazy train ourselves right now. And uh, we don't have any, uh, we don't have any uh, say over it. We've been screaming about not wanting to be a part of war uh, since Vietnam and nobody cares. So. You won't give up Crimea, though, Frank. No. That's too important. It's too important strategically. So even if, and this is what I, I like, struggle to, what is their thinking? And the, the only answer I have is escalation. Because even if the Ukrainians could muster their army of 16-year-olds now, okay, even if they could muster enough to, to take Crimea, the domestic population is literally going to stab them in the back. They don't want them there, Frank. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with the Donbass. They want to be Russian. And number two, how are they going to hold it if Putin comes back, and he will come back with an overwhelming force, even if, and I'm, I'm obviously 
obviously being nice here and I'm saying let's let's say for the sake of argument you know all of the stars align uh for Ukraine and you know snow starts to fall in hell you know like if, if all of this happened pigs sprout wings and fly and they somehow managed to take Crimea how will they hold it without US forces and forget NATO NATO is nothing NATO is nothing they, the US is NATO. This is like this unbelievably frustrating argument. The Germans could be incredibly powerful, an incredibly powerful nation state. They could even be the great power in Europe, but they didn't take the opportunity under Donald Trump to rebuild, so they're weak. They're worthless. The United Kingdom, are you kidding me? They are a shadow of their former self. And the French are just totally pathetic. Are the Finns? gonna line up we're gonna let the fins in they're gonna go to the border of ukraine they're gonna start throwing snowballs at the russians what are they thinking here it's all us you give them tanks you need us cavalry people mechanized infantry in there to teach them how to use it god forbid you give them f-16s forget about what the combat advisor tailpiece looks like in that one and for the most part even some of these weapons javelins who's teaching them how to fire these javelins yeah. Green Berets and others. It's a, it's a major lie that anybody else is doing anything. They're not, Frank. Not in any significant, uh, you know, uh, contribution. That's just not happening. It will all fall on us and the American people. I just don't. That's probably the one thing, you know, that we have going for us. I think there would be an outcry at this point because no matter how many blue and yellow flags you see on Twitter or how many you know complete chodes like max boot you see on cable news the fact is this new alliance this new warmongering alliance which is the old neocon guard the neoliberal guard and then just a bunch of leftists who are in the hive who cheer no matter what joe biden does right they're still not a majority they're not a very you know that would march into war with russia they're not so uh, and and forget once they you know China's already you know helping Russia. If there wasn't an escalation, they would do even more. And we don't have the stomach for it, Frank. Stomach. Look at Quinnipiac poll. In the wallet. More, more than a majority of Democrats don't even have the stomach to defend their own homeland. They're going to fight for Ukraine. Oh well, that was the that was the the the, the really incredible dichotomy of the the Biden trip to Europe last week. He's out there in Europe, and he's talking about supporting Ukrainian pension funds and 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 pretty much pretty much welfare. He, he's talking about welfare when we have we have the hundreds of thousands of homeless over here. We have a southern border that's wide open. It, it, it's just how many times are we going to say it before you know? It, it's obviously like a cliche at this point, but it, it's you can tell this is what people do when they are fighting to protect some sort of an investment that they made. They do that's not. What it is. It's this is an investment, okay? This is the this is the world that had become very very comfortable doing whatever they please inside of this shell company that we call Ukraine because it, it's it's not it's it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to do all that stuff, say all that stuff, rah rah rah. It's not a NATO situation, and your country at home is burning, chemical burning. So it's just. Um, it's just incredible. All right. Well, I guess we're on the same page with that too, Rich. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you said the investment thing, Frank, and I got to just say, people can look it up. I won't take too much time. 2014, uh, Joe Biden goes over as the VP and they want $2 billion and he basically gives this speech, which 
some people in the embassy in Kiev at the time didn't like because Ukrainians, there were some still who didn't like us meddling and felt like they were overstepping their bounds. You know, you're not supposed to really, uh, you know, total, go, you know, deal with interject in the domestic affairs of a state. Mm -hmm. But anyway, they wanted $2 billion. So Biden goes over there and they say, he basically said, in order to get this $2 billion, we absolutely expect you to invest in the shale deposits in Eastern Ukraine. So the money we're giving you, we are giving you to develop these things. And Frank, they lost them. So, you know, the Biden family literally is making direct, they're getting rich off of this and directly on many others as well. But Biden's had a hand in it. That's why Hunter Biden had had his role with Burisma. Uh, but Putin now controls that territory. So, uh, you know, the people really need to keep this in mind. They made an investment. They're trying to protect an investment. Oh, not only that, but you, you bring up $2 billion. We know that it was at least $2 billion that washed through Ukraine by way of FTX. And, and, and right, tax, we're talking about taxes that went washed. That was washed. just the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, and even right now, it's a, if you think that I, if you think, uh, if you tried to sell me that whatever washed through Ukraine and FTX to come back into the United States and fund elections for both Republicans and Democrats, then uh, I, I would, I would laugh in your face if you think it's only two billion. That's just what was uncovered. So it's, uh, they, oh my gosh, yeah, they, this is, um, <laughs> whatever. All right. So we have that going on. See, there's so much, Rich. There's so there much. There really is. I mean, what the hell? We probably won't even have time to talk about the UFOs tonight. You saw a real UFO. <laughs> you saw a real I one. But I did. But this balloon shit, that this is not what you saw down there in Florida. What, what I look, you know, and, and people who know, and you know me, so you understand, I take this issue very seriously, and it really pisses me off when they use something like this. Oh, and we shot down. So since 1947, when Max Braswell first said, there's a UFO on my friggin' ranch, and the Army Air Force reversed themselves, they didn't want to talk about it. No disclosure, no honesty, no discussion. It's a wrap. But all of a sudden, they screw up the Chinese spy balloon, they blow up Nord Stream 2 and get caught, and now all of a sudden we're up there dogfighting with UFOs, Frank, as if, as if. An F-16 could take out an alien spaceship that can travel through the stars. It, 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 man, it makes me laugh, but it's really not funny. No. It's an issue that a lot of people are finally starting to take seriously because God knows, you know, I mean, you, you, your job as the government is to protect us. So it's something you should probably care about. And instead, it's being used as a, you know, as a scam, as a distraction, as a red herring. Yeah. And it's sad, man. It really pisses me off. But what else could I expect that, at this point? Look at everything that's going on it's hard to even plan a show these days because everything you plan the day before by the time it gets to airtime there's already been three other catastrophes that you have to cover and people expect you to talk about hey i know i know and that's, that's why i was wondering was this a distraction or was it a precursor to something else for a while as i said in the opening i really thought that they might be ready to play the alien card but nope they're saving that for another day <laughs> another year who, who the hell knows? Yeah. Okay, um, here's what I have for you. Scott Adams. This one's going to take a little while because it has it, it's all blew up over a Rasmussen poll. The Rasmussen poll, uh, it said the following. They, they, they polled, it's an opinion poll. They polled black Americans only. Yep. The question was, is it okay to be white? 
53% agreed, 26% disagreed, 21% said, I'm not sure. I'm going to play about a minute of what uh, Scott Adams said. You'll be on screen with me here. Take a listen to this, everybody who has not heard it yet. Rasmussen asked, you know, white and black voters and and probably others, uh, do you disagree or agree with the statement, it's okay to be white? 26% of blacks said uh, no, it's not okay to be white. 21% weren't sure. Add them together, that is 47% of black respondents were not willing to say it's okay to be white. Now here is where he got he gets himself into uh, a little here bit of trouble. Here it comes. <laughs> so if, if you know nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group, and I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. Because there's no fixing this. This can't be fixed. So it goes on a little bit more, but first thing I want to do, first things first, what can you tell us about the Rasmussen poll and whether it, uh, it reflects any kind of work you have done on the subject in the past? You know, when we have got and when we have tried to be a little bit more provocative, uh, like Rasmussen and ask about these race issues in different ways, I think that was worded a little bit simple, um, you know, because if you're asking, is it okay to be white, uh, different people are going to take that a different way. Now, that being said, that being said, there is no doubt that uh, not only the results of the poll, but what Scott Adams is saying, number one, doesn't really surprise me. And number two, has been reinforced by culture for years now. And I think Scott's trying to make a point here. Well, I know he did this, you know, he's being provocative. Uh, And a couple of things, you know, one, he's trying to show people without a doubt, because everybody started to cancel Dilbert, right? And immediately the Washington Post first, I believe it was the Cleveland Plain Dealer. And then just it started to roll all the way up to the biggest newspaper that Harry Stilbert, which is the Washington Post. But he can, you know, Scott's doing all right. And nobody wants to take a pay hit like this. But I think a point he's trying to make is that the price of free speech is very high these days. And the truth is, when push comes to shove, not many people are willing uh, to pay that in price. And and secondly, that he's bringing up something that, uh, you know, a, a discussion that, um, is worth noting that nobody has really disagreed with him on. They've attacked him, called him a racist. He's a far-right extremist. I can tell you, Scott Adams is a leftist, and people have been doing this to people like him and Tim Pool for years, only because he supported Donald Trump and thought that the left lost their damn minds, right? Uh, but the truth is, Scott has done a lot, uh, you know. And I'm not going to go into his personal stuff, but I, I, I've been told this. I inquired about it to see whether he was full of crap, and I'll tell you, he's not. Scott has been doing thing what you know more than most to try to help the plight of the black community. So you know to to you know get this reaction just because he said something that nobody's even willing to disagree with really is telling about our society. And I had to relay this story, and because you know the Washington Post has a, a partnership with Netflix to do this show Gringos, right, where the Washington Post is doing the research for it. 
I haven't seen the Washington Post cancel Netflix. They just came out with a movie called You People. In it, Jonah Hill is, uh, and people who don't know him, he's a comedian. Jonah Hill, his best friend, is a, uh, uh, I don't don't want to get myself in trouble here, but is black. And he is a white Jewish uh, stockbroker, investment advisor, who really aspires to be a daytime podcaster who's an expert in black culture. I mean, the whole thing is just totally ludicrous, right? Anyway, he meets a black woman and they fall in love. They want to get married and they find out that they just can't get along. These families can't get along. Eddie Murphy is her father. He hates him because he's a, he's a white Jew pretending to be black. At the end of the day, he's asking his friend for his advice. And the friend says, you just got to stop trying. And he's like, what are you talking about? You're my best friend and you're black. And what says is, no matter what you do, you will never, white people will never make it okay with black people. There's nothing white people can do to ever make like huge swaths of the black community get over it or fix it. As Scott Adams says, fix it. There is no way to fix it. So, and I'm thinking about this as Scott Adams is in this like, you know, torrent of, of controversy. And the truth is he's espousing something that has been in front of our faces for a long time, Frank, because they want us to hate each other. Oh, yeah. They want yeah. us to hate each other's guts. Their worst nightmare is like MAGA and Black Lives Matter having dinner together and realizing eventually, oh, my God, it's like them. I'm glad They're the enemy. Yes. You are not my enemy. They are the enemy. Who's the same people who are hurting me are hurting you. And you know what? The FBI murdered him, but Fred Thompson was brilliant at that. And I know a lot of people probably don't like him, and I'm not saying he was a great guy. But for those who don't know, he was the uh, like the chairman of the Black Panther chapter in Chicago. This guy would go around everybody, Hispanics, the KKK, yep. and he would say, you know what I'm talking about, Frank? And he would say, I don't want to fight you. I don't want to. I want to fight them together. Let's fight them together. You know what they did to Fred Thompson? They killed him. They murdered him. The FBI executed Fred Thompson. Oh, and listen, executed. You get, you get, executed. There's even more. There's even more that uh, uh, to be learned from Malcolm X than I think Martin yes. Luther King. There's even there's far more to be learned about uh, from Malcolm X than Martin Luther King. You want to talk about? I mean, Martin Luther King was an into, he was a uh, he, he was riding a line of integra- forced integration and obviously communist uh, leanings, and it was always going to be, yeah. Yeah. hey, how can yeah. the government come in and make things right? Which of course, when the government started coming in making the, what what the government proposed as some of those fixes, the Civil Rights Act actually made was the backbreaker for the American family, both white and black you know things like that this is what we're talking about great society backbreakers for america so um yeah it, it's really interesting to, th- to hear about those who were really wondering about who really wanted to embrace independence it, within their little their ideology and I, i'm fine with people looking at me and hating me, hitting me for my skin as long as we all agree that we we have the the uh, the obligation to hold up each other's rights to to be independent where we are the dependency thing and who thinks something is owed to them thing that's where the resentment and that's where the violence and the frustration comes from and i'll tell you rich um scott adams goes and he says stay the fuck away from blacks it makes it as like you said very hard for people to discuss 
uh, an already volatile issue that is now there right plainly presented in front of us. The issue being that there is a very vicious state-sponsored anti-white trend becoming far more pronounced in places like Europe and the United States, and I believe it reflects the return on investment for this shared uh, mission from the media and the government and the schools to destabilize family life and to make everything adversarial, especially along the lines of sex and race in this country for decades now. And, And it's fast moving too, because I'll tell you, 2010 was a paradise compared to where we are right now on almost every level, especially socially. So it's um, this Rasmussen poll in itself, as you said, no one's actually debating. But, you know, he he says what he says, how he says it. And that became the focal point of everything. Yeah, Frank, uh, Gallup, Pew, I believe as well, Rasmussen and uh, ourselves, a big data poll in awesome way of fashion have basically tried to get to the heart of this question. Rasmussen, I think, does it yearly. And if you ask, because that effort is is real and people see it, if you ask people, who do you think is the most racist group, right? Immediately, and it's sad because it tells you that this effort is working. Um, You know, if you ask blacks, they'll tell you they believe whites are the most racist people in society. If you ask Hispanics, Asians, and whites, they'll tell you blacks. So there's a feeling that among whites, Asians, and Hispanics that black people don't like them, and that's real. And if you're gonna just shut this debate down and tell, well, why is that? Who is, where is this coming from? If you're just gonna shut it down, you'll never get to the root of where it's coming from. And that's obviously the goal, right? And I would say, um, you know, uh, uh, again, uh, as far as, as far as you know how how this goes compared to 2010 i think that over time you've had people and they're older now but you know they started this uh movement this is their return on this is their roi frank and their return on investment and this is what i honestly meant a couple of weeks ago when dan rather was playing this race game this victimization game and i just quote tweeted him and i was you know what will really help race relations when people like you from your generation just die yeah when you just are gone from society and then eventually we'll have to deal with the damage you've left behind, the division you left, because the truth is, this is a grift for so many people, Frank. Yeah. This is a grift. They are parts of their own community, sadly, against them in all uh, races in the society. They make a, a living off of this division and it helps their friends and their little collaborators in government so you know once they're gone maybe we can begin to deal with it but you know that the the polling over the years with how close um we come to fulfilling mlk's dream that actually started to do pretty good under trump and now it's just cratered again yeah it's cratered it's sad it's so what what are we accomplishing and by the way the black family survived colonization the institution of slavery the civil war Jim Crow, but what they couldn't survive was the Great Society. Yep, but they couldn't they, they couldn't survive government action, and 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 that, right. and right there, um, uh, illegitimacy rates in in uh, Black American families uh, for children is That's over over seventy something percent. But in yep. in in the same years since the nineteen sixties when Great Society came around, we have over forty percent illegitimacy for white people now too. So the, you you just see how they they obviously they had a handicap coming out of coming out of the 19th century, but how this destroy this the black and white Americans are having their lives destroyed, and, but the thing is in this operation, 
and it is an operation. In this operation that we're all trapped in right now, we are we have been assigned different roles. Uh, you know, for for Black Americans, the the media, the school, everything else, they are assigned victim status, and 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 of course, for white people, they're assigned you are the oppressor, you need to make oppressor right status. oppressor status, and and here we are, 150 years some uh, later, that we're still playing this game. We're all dangling on the on the uh, on the end of a string. We're all dangling in somebody else's marionette game, and and and, and we see this. Uh, pretty much the metric, how how devoid of white people an institution can be, or how so-called white behavior or whiteness, uh, that that has become the primary metric for measuring anything's worth. If you can be devoid of all those things, to discriminate against a white person now or harass people or whatever, it's 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 always been turned into a slapstick form of comedy, and uh, you know I, I I don't know I, I just. It's just crazy. In January, Rich, I covered a uh, a poll. Uh, it wasn't yours. I covered a poll, but you probably know what I was talking about. The it was, it was they talked to I think Asian, Black, Hispanic, and white people, and all those groups were asked the same question: pretty much how important it was to know and understand your ethnic background, your history, in in, in especially in, in able to understand your identity, where you came from, all that stuff. And for everybody except white people, it was exceptionally important to understand their background. So, I, I mean, and, and whites, they, it was just like, no, 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 we, we, that, that, that's, that's fooey, fooey. So, I mean, point being, A, we're not very good white supremacists. That's number one. We're, 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 we're very good at this. No, no, we're self, we're self-loathing punching bags. That's what we are. But the real question here is, what do we do? Uh, what do you think we do from here, Rich? Because you know Scott Adams had a he had a ham-fisted approach to talking about this, but he isn't wrong about there being a serious need for anyone to be conscious of these types of trends, especially when you're looking to do something like relocate a family. It's it's you know if you see a trend like this. It's something that you should pay attention to, no doubt about, especially if you want to really hone in on the happiness and fulfillment index. You don't want to live around people who are very comfortable and more so than ever before expressing that they don't like you and never will. It's 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 disconcerting because I think most people just want to get along. Yeah, I you know, that's why I say I, I'm not sure at this point, and I'm not saying give up, you know, be defeatist, but... Until some of these forces are removed from our society, yep. I don't know, uh, you know, just like I think if you were to rewind time, you know, back to Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, they probably would have told you that some generations of racist white people just have to go. And once uh, their children grow up and have whole different views, things will get better. I think that, uh, um, and this goes for, you know, elements on both sides, although I think white America has done a hell of a lot, Frank, I do. You know, of course, I'm not a, a black man, so it's hard for me to speak through that experience. But I think that, uh, you know, there's there's nothing else that can be done through government action um, that's going to make it right. Reparations is not going to make it right, Frank. That'll make it worse. That'll make people bitter. And, and um, you know, and, and they'll, they'll resent and uh, being forced to pay for something that they had no hand in. I'm freaking Italian, Frank. I didn't do anything, you know, so neither did my wife. She's Puerto Rican. Come on. You know, I mean, we didn't, there, there's no connection there. 
to the black plight in this in this country. We came here in the 20th century, hopped into a world war. That's my family's history. Yep. What the hell did what did I do to have to pay reparations? So even for somebody like me, that would piss me off. Honestly, um, I got three kids to take care of. I don't have your kids to take care of. You got your kids to take care of. I have my own children to take care of. Um, and, and you know, the bottom line here is, I, and I, I don't want to sound negative, I just really do think that it's really hard for us to make any progress right now in the, for the long term, like any significant progress until some of these people are gone. And, the good, you know, the good news is if that's true, you know, they're on their last leg, man. They are. And when they you, really are. And when you say some of these people are gone, you're talking about the institutions that are, are playing us. Yeah, I'm talking about the, the the generation who piggybacked off of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and pretended like, uh, you know, they, they were carrying on, his, you know, carrying his, picked up his torch and ran with it after he was gone. Um, these people, the Sharptons, the Jacksons, on and on and on, uh, they are, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be around forever. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that people change their worldviews over different generations. And uh, it's got, I know it hasn't really shown. I mean, we're, here we are, and sometimes it looks like the darker than ever place. But we still have progressed. We have with yeah. race. It may not feel like it, but we have. Our main problem is that there are people who live off of this division. They, they either, uh, this is the only country in the world that has a major political party. And I'm trying to dog you Democrats out there, but it's friggin' true. We are the only country in the world with a major political party who relies on racial division to gain political power. All right. And what do I mean by that? Democrats can't win if they don't get 90 plus percent of the black vote. They need this hate to continue. They need this distrust to continue. If they lose it, then they lose their, the source of their political power. So that, that, in that, we are very unique. And time is, it will take time uh, for that to change. Um, you know, so moving forward, I think we just do what we can, Frank, never forget. Uh, I, you know, I understand what Scott Adams is saying, and I'm, I, you know, I see why people would think something like that. You know, I'm not racing back to urban America anytime soon. That being said, I, you know, I, I, I don't. I don't want to ignore whole elements of society. I'm just, that's me. I'm the no, I, it, I am. It, it's not I me. I forever want to engage, you know? Absolutely. I, I mean, it's, it's only, it's only fun when more people come to the party and, and, that's but, right. but you know, at, at yeah. some, sometimes when you see the, the, the party is getting a little bit aggressive. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, 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 there are agitating elements at the party and yeah. you can tell that people, you know, People are getting pitted against each other. There's drama that's popping up. Well, you're like, why the hell is this going on? And you know, the meddlers, the meddlers always get what they want. Whether we're talking about race relations, where we're talking about so-called women's rights and abortion and all that stuff, everybody's always talking about how they want, they want their freedom, and they want to be left alone. But the remedy. And the path forward to achieve all of the things that they want to do is always is always to create new powers for a central government and to bind people closer together. To talk about these, the, the way that they talk about abortion or the way that they talk about even race relations with, with uh, reparations and this and that and all these new, these new programs they want for people who identify with different sex, uh, uh, sexual proclivities or gender identities. This is all about binding people closer. I, I agree that distance would make the heart, the heart grow fonder. 
I, I think that if we are allowed to disengage more and not be so tied at the hip and, and, and have to learn how to, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, be good neighbors and be good merchants to each other again, I think we'd find a lot more a lot more to respect in each other, a little bit more when we start dealing with each other, with each other voluntarily. But everything, because the meddlers are always it's looking force. to... Cons- yeah. the, it's everything is force. It's everything is force. So th- and that's... And when you follow those strings, you find the puppet master. And that's where we're at right now. Um, what do I have to say? Uh, unless you have anything else you want to put on that, I have another question for you about society and polling. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know that I could add much to that. I mean, the, the the forcing from top down never leads to sustainable change. It doesn't matter if it's civil rights. That's not what what advanced civil rights in this country that what advanced civil rights in this country were the holy warriors and the ground up, the churches, the groups and, you know, the, the, the legislation from D.C., did not advance it. You know, a, a court, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade did not solve the abortion question. It never does. It has to be from the ground up. That's all I'd add to that. No doubt. No doubt. Organic. Organically. Not forced. Well, I'm happy. Uh, I hap- we, happy we're on that, that end, too. We are solid again, Rich. It's almost like we're friends or something like that. <laughs> uh, but here's something I want. You have to make sense of this for me. Yeah. This is a headline from Fox. Uh, here it is. I'm putting it up on the screen. Study uh, finds more than 60% of young men are single. Who are all the young women dating? Because, you know, on the, on the flip side, 60% of men under 30 are single, but 34% of women under 30 are single. So are they shacking up with older guys? Are they, I mean, what, what are they dating each other? What the hell is, uh, is make sense of these numbers and tell us what it means for society at large right now. Well, you know, you do have, uh, you know, sampling errors for subgroups are higher, which is something that immediately jumped out at me when I, when I saw that. So not only, uh, you know, the overall sampling error of the survey, let's call it 3%. When you look at just men, then that 3% is going to turn in more like 5%. If you're looking at men who are 18 to 25, that could turn into like 8%. So sampling errors for subgroups are higher. And I'm sure there's something there that's that's at play. But these numbers are too big to explain away just through sampling errors alone or subgroup sampling errors alone. I really do, Frank, and this has been a, a major concern of mine for years, you know, the demasculate, you know, the, the, the wussification of America, uh, I think it's probably, you know, a little bit of both. You know, you have women dating older men who still have higher testosterone levels than 18 and 25 year olds because they're a bunch of beta biatches. And then you have other women dating other women because, hell, the guys are just as feminine. So it doesn't look like there's much of a difference there. Maybe a girl has a softer, gentler touch. You know, I mean, we're totally confused. Our heads up our asses. But that's what happens when you remove traditional roles for sexes uh, in societies, not genders, sexes. When you're born a man, you are born a woman. There are different roles that we each fill. And we've been in this denialism stage for years where all of a sudden my denser bones and you know some other attributes that I have that my wife doesn't somehow doesn't make me any different than her. It does. Uh, just like, by the way, I will never give childbirth. My hips aren't that wide, you know? Yeah. And I don't carry the right tools. We're denying basic facts of nature and I think that uh, it's all just spiraling out of control. It's yeah. just, this is, and anyone will tell you that this is not sustainable. 
you can't carry on a culture with these fertility rates. You can't carry on uh, a, a, a nation with these uh, reproduction rates. Uh, so you, you, there's no way to continue the species if we're just going to free for all this puppy, Frank. I it's know. not possible. All right. It's not possible. Feminism has a role. Masculine uh, masculinity has a role. And uh, we used to identify them, not only identify them, but cherish them and coddle them while respecting each other and respecting what that, those roles are mutually. Um, you know, this, uh, God, maybe that man is the head of the family, but the woman's the neck that turns it, right? I mean, that's the stuff that matters to building a strong family unit. And by the way, if you don't have a strong family unit, you don't have a strong community. If you don't have a strong community, you don't have a strong township, county, or whatever you call it in your state. If you don't have a strong township, county, or whatever, you don't have a strong state. If you don't have a strong state, you don't have a strong nation. And that is the end of it all. It's like the building blocks, you know, protein is the building blocks of life. The family unit is the building block of a strong society. And they've been plucking away at this for years, and it's all falling apart. I, I, I also I I, got better news for you, buddy. But oh, I, I know it, with, with this it's a bad poll. I didn't think so. I didn't think that this could be anything else because I'll tell you, with that kind of a disparity, it's not. Um, it's not just. I, it has to be a more of a big calamitous situation like that with other little things that have to be accounted for too. Like for example, uh, not not feminism. I mean, femininity and masculinity yeah. they play off it, but feminism. I think that right there. Right. Yeah, I might have misspoke, but right. Right. I, right, right. I, I think that right there has caused a lot of guys, especially with the way that women have been turned into uh, toxically masculine uh, entities. Cassidy. I, yeah, I, I really do. I really do think that a lot of this for these uh, these single 30, 30 something and, and less, it could be self preservation. You just don't want to get into a situation where there is no way to defend yourself from some kind of. Uh, some kind of uh, abuse because the the culture is really that accusatory and really that uh, demeaning right now for especially young men. So I, I, there has to be some kind but of self. Could it have, let me just say this. Could it have gotten that way if we did not abdicate our masculinity? Oh, no, no way in hell. Evolution is like taking over now. Our testosterone levels are reducing every generation. Yep. I don't know what to tell you young boys out there listening. You're 18 to 29. You better get your butts down to the GNC, buy yourself some packs, pump up the T levels, and, and make the women happy. I'm glad like, you said that. Literally, the future depends on it. <laughs> and ladies, you know what a man is looking for, okay? So uh, stop your deadlifts, all right? Nobody wants to see a 350-pound, you know, uh, bicep on the edge of a woman for crying out loud. Frank, it's got to stop. It's got to stop because eventually you can cancel people until the cows go home. What we're really doing is canceling our society. This can't last forever. And guess what? The Chinese and the Russians don't play this game. So if you're a big talker, you want to go over there and save Ukraine and Vladimir Zelensky, go ahead, I dare you. See how you fare against a Spetsna. You ever see the Chinese special forces? They, they do backflips off of APCs. Give me a break. We're going to send the 2-2 the, the wearing 18-year-old over there? It used to be Rambo. Come on.
<laughs> you, you said a lot. I, I'm so happy that you said get to the GNC because I was going to say you got to get to the gym, guys. But you want to know something? Get to the gym. I got to say, get the, to the gym. There be is a, a subculture, though, Rich. You're going to be very happy to know that there is a culture, subculture on the internet, especially on YouTube and on Twitter and elsewhere. Traditionally masculine, uh, uh, you know, pumping each other up type of uh, circles now of young guys that are out there that are helping each other in the gym, that are getting all this stuff, they're getting their minds right, they're trying to get away from the porn, away from the, the, the compulsive masturbation and all that stuff. Uh, it, 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 that, that community, that is grow. I love the stuff that I see coming out of there. It's, uh, it, it's really awesome. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we got, a, we got a little bit of an issue. And I think that we're scratching and clawing our way out of it or trying to find a... Trying to. Trying, trying to. But it's, it's, it's nutty. It really is. I, and, and you know who, <laughs> as far as, as, far as that, that dichotomy between guys and girls, we actually talked a little bit about that recently with, uh, with, the, with the Don Lemon uh, fiasco over at, at CNN. He, when he was trying to make a, uh, a slight to Nikki Haley about her her viability as a woman like whether she's in her peak or not he misapplied biological peak to professional peak and th that is one of the things that usually would help describe why you see a lot of women gravi gravitating toward men who are already uh, stable older they have all of their professional stuff worked out that used to be what was going on obviously a lot of guys and, and girls they used to uh shack up out of out of high school and build families that way but the, a, a guy is at the the peak is at the peak of his viability in his mid to late 30s whereas women when well, if they're you're talking about the 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 actual su sustaining and uh, survival of a species, not professionally, but as far as the sustaining and survival of a species, you're talking about under 30. They, you know, they, but that has been beaten out of women. They've been pushed into their 30s and 40s, uh, running the corporate hamster wheel. And guys, they have been beaten down by, you know, Me Too movements and everything else like that. Everybody's getting fucked with. Everybody is. So it's... um. Now, ho hoping that the, the clouds clear at some point before it's too late, but uh, there's a lot working against us. You're right. Yeah, it's a tidal wave to swim against. It really is. Um, but again, you know, maybe you wouldn't have stuffed the diaper on your face if you were healthier. If you were down at the gym, you were taking, you know, do, listening to the old Hulkamania, uh, you know, take your vitamins, eat your fruit and vegetables and lift your weights, then you wouldn't have had to worry about a chest virus killing you. So you ran around with a diaper on your face like a coward. I mean, this is honestly, Frank, I mean, um, the truth is there is certain things that just appeal to us as I'm a biological man. There are certain things that appeal to me. Biological women, no matter what, I mean, Frank, I don't, I, no matter what, show me uh, you know, the vast majority of women who would take a, like a beta over an alpha any day. I, I just, I'm 41 years old, brother. I don't care if they're uber conservative or they're uber liberal. I, it, it, it all plays out the same. Nobody, you, women want to feel certain ways towards men and the, the feeling is mutual. When you start messing with all that, I think honestly, and too, you know, growing up when I did, you could even see the trend young as uh you know like in a high school kid and even later uh but still young how women did start to look toward older men because these these boys were like just that 
like boys, you know, like and 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 grown men. Um, you don't want to take care of their responsibilities. They're just they're unserious. They're immature. This is a major problem. Major problem. So you know, even the fact that somebody like me could come on and say, you know, suck it up, Buttercup, go down to GNC, get yourself stacked, and get going. Somebody's going to be offended by that. So I hurt someone's feelings tonight. Understand? Somebody is really crying. They probably want to know why they're going to run to the, their mommy and they're going to wonder what, like, they're going to ask their mother if the people's pundit doesn't think he's a man. Like, this is going to happen. And they'll say nasty things on Twitter about you. You know, this is where we're at, man. It, and it's it can't stay like this forever. That's not who we are or what we are. It's yeah. just not. Well, you know, and I don't know how you change that uh, without doing serious damage. To the viability of uh, of your society, of your species. Well, hopefully Forget about society. Hopefully you've uh, hopefully you've inspired some people tonight, and and you've made the world a better place. There's probably about <laughs> there's probably there's, I'd say there's probably about a dozen people right now uh, dialing the number to the Balco Hotel right now and trying to get trying to get the <laughs> the Jose Canseco stack. That's what they <laughs> they're gonna get the Jose. <laughs> okay, here let me ask you about something. Last thing I got to ask you about because there's a lot of rumors about this one. John Fetterman hasn't really been heard from since the State of the Union. Uh, he was seen that night there. It was right after that we heard that he was lightheaded. He was brought to the hospital. Everybody thought, oh my God, is he having another stroke? And then shortly after that, I don't know if we saw him after that, we get the news that he's been institutionalized for chronic depression, which I wouldn't be surprised, and I know other people wouldn't be either. If that is just some kind of a the groundwork for a long term cover for something else that you would it could explain why he's out of the public eye. What have you heard? Because uh, and where was his wife and what was his wife doing? She left. She why did she flee? She left the country. What what happened? He's going around shaking hands. This was an open secret. I can't believe Dr. Uh, look, there were a lot of mismanaged campaigns on the Republican side this year. Dr. Oz. He, I, everyone thought that I was being uh, too aggressive and that the uh, advice I was constantly giving was, uh, you know, risky, that it could have been, uh, it could have come across as, um, you know, uh, bad sportsman-like conduct. The fact of the matter is it was an open secret that Fetterman was a body, a body, a suit, and that uh, his wife or somebody else uh, really was just going to wind up taking that seat anyway when he was unable to serve. This was not something that was a secret. And I, I you know, this is why Fox News is an utter disappointment because they were the only ones for years who was supposed to be, you know, giving the American people information like that when the other networks were just blatantly hiding something. Then Fox stopped doing things like that, and it literally led led to the rise of uh, uh, third-party entities like WikiLeaks and alternative media. But ultimately, the candidate has to be the one who drives that message. And the Oz campaign just felt that that was too risky, too mean, whatever, but it was God's honest truth. So I wouldn't expect, uh, I wouldn't be, not only wouldn't I be surprised, I expect John Fetterman to be replaced by his wife or someone else um, soon, within the near future. He's not capable of being a U.S. senator. He never was. Yeah. He never was. I mean, he basically, Oz got beaten by, um, I don't want to be mean at this point, it doesn't even matter, 
but I mean, he got beaten by a jelly brain. I mean, this is the most embarrassing campaign, one of the most embarrassing campaigns of the season. So meanwhile, me... the material wrote itself. He was a heart surgeon going against a guy who had a stroke and can no longer speak coherent sentences. It wrote itself. He oh, chose it was bad. The game, he lost. So October, October was a very disturbing month. Um, especially because so many people were paying attention to the, the race in Pennsylvania. And obviously, as a New Yorker, it means nothing to me, but uh, you know that the balance and power in the Senate is at stake and all there. And I never knew Fetterman prior to his, his stroke, his cognitive issues. But, I, but, but because that was all that was on display, and they had to push this guy through the month of October, that was a very disturbing month. I felt a lot of pity for him. And here we are. Uh, but when you say last question on this one, Rich, um, when you say that they're they are readying the platform for his wife to step in, are you saying that uh, when they are when they're ready to call a need for a special election, she will fill in and she will campaign for that spot? Or you know, I I still don't understand the succession of something like this. It, it would be a governor a governor appointment with con confirmation of their state legislature. I forget how that all works. Yeah, they would eventually have to, uh, she would eventually have to win. It would be very similar to a Dingle-like situation. Okay. Um, you know, but Shapiro is going to just put in that seat who he wants. That person will be incredibly difficult to beat. And, uh, you know, it, it, of course, the worst part about this, and this is just nature of American politics, she will get a sympathy vote. She will get a sympathy vote. Like Mark Kelly is a U.S. senator right now. Not because he's a great candidate and not because he had, you know, all of these, uh, you know, tools in the in the shed that made him a good politician. He is, by all accounts, a mediocre uh, politician, a fly under the radar guy who wins uh, and won initially won because his wife was shot in the head. All right. I mean, it's really that simple. Um, and and people, de Democrats are, you know, they're widely like this, Frank. They're like, you know what? Kelly, his wife, she was, you know, national news, the victim of a, 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 a gun violence event. He would be a great candidate. Who could attack that guy? Democrats are dirty like that, man. And they'll do it now. Hmm. They'll do it now. I mean, she'll, you, you, you'd, see, you'd see clips of her like spoon feeding Gerber to him if that's what it took to get her elected. Wow, I, you know what? Don't give him any ideas because I, this is already like a a fun yeah, house. Yeah, watch, watch, watch. It's like a haunted house already. Please don't give him ideas. That is ghoulish. But I, I, I would, I can see it happening. Rich, um, I am so happy that we're back on track for our last Monday of the the month. Party round, friend. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, 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 it's so. I'm. This felt great tonight. Um, please let everybody know how they can follow you. I know that you have a broadcast scheduled during the week. I have your link to your locals in the description of this episode. Uh, let everybody know uh, what the what the deal is. Yeah, Locals is the best place, but uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays on Rumble, People's Pundit Rumble Channel, People's Pundit YouTube Channel, we do Inside the Numbers at noon Eastern Standard Time. And then uh, we just actually announced this, if I could. We do a book club on Sunday nice. at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we read, I mean, stuff you'd love, Frank. Right now we're reading John Mearsheimer, Tragedy of Great Power Politics. We read Jack Snyder before, Miss of Empire. And, of course, it was perfect because of everything that happened in Ukraine. Uh, these guys both had a, a lot to say about a post-Warsaw Pact, post-Soviet Union world. And in the end now, we have historical events to say whether somebody was right or somebody was wrong. 
if the people are a member on YouTube now too, they can do the Locals Book Club, which is really cool. It just, uh, we just got that set up. So, you know, we post a link to the YouTube channel uh, under a members only, like, you know, members only post. And that has the uh, Zoom link with the password for them to get in. And, uh, you know, attendance was bigger than usual that first week, which was just yesterday. So um, you, people learn, you'll learn a lot. So aside from all the polling stuff we're doing, and we're ramping up to do a national nomination poll, but aside from all of that, the book club stuff has been, um, I'm really just excited for it because we're, we're going over things, Frank, that people don't hear about in the media, yet it's like foreign policy especially is one of these areas where you think Democrats, they always talk about academia, education, academia, education, yet they haven't supported uh, the consensus academic uh, school of international relations that's been dominant forever. They haven't supported that for years, forever, ever. And neither, by the way, of most Republicans. That's just truth. We've had one basically realist president in our lifetime, and uh, they got rid of him real quick for a reason. Um, well, people learn a lot, and you'll 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 be armed with the tools that when you hear these idi idiotic politicians spout these myths, you know that uh, you'll you'll know it. So if Poland, if we don't stop Russia in Ukraine, Poland's next. You've heard of everyone from the right to the left, Mitt Romney, Nikki Haley to Joe Biden and others make that claim when it's absolutely bogus. And if, by the way, if Poland believed it, they'd be flying scrambling F-16s right now to stop the Russians, but they're not. And he just said, the Polish president just said last week, I'm not wasting my F-16s on them. Listen, Rich. If he felt threatened, don't you think he'd be scrambling? They have some of the best pilots in the world buying those F-16s. Don't you think they'd be scrambling them, Frank? Of course no, they would. Of course they would. It's a myth of empire. And, and, and now that you here. bring this up, now that you bring it, because obviously it's it's uh, apparent to me that you you don't you you're doing um, nonfiction, nonfiction yes. books. Okay. Yes. Well, my, my book club, we we've been doing fiction since last last year we you know, we did a lot of uh really a, a great big title in 22 but so far we just read c.s lewis i'm about to do brave new world in march but we uh, somewhere down the line you and i we've got to you've got to be a co-host for one of my book clubs because that would be fun but i love that but listen I love that. you've got to take down this book i've i've taken passages of this book since you're doing nonfiction. I've taken passages of this book to explain a lot of where we are right now with Ukraine. It's an Antonio Sochi book. It's called The Secret of Benedict XVI. Is he still Pope? You just the first 40 pages alone is just a complete geopolitical painting in of what's going on the 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 the, the um the uh, what's call the the Arab Spring, the Catholic Spring, the Orthodox Spring, Ukraine. Uh, it, it, it's all there. I think that if that is the kind of stuff that you're doing with your book club, you, it's a short read. I think you guys would be really. Uh, I think you you do a good time with that, and you'd have a lot more background now on what's going on more than you even knew you knew. Yeah, that's you know I just took it down. That's something because what is Miss of, uh, Miss of Empire is 300 and something pages. Mir Scheimer is almost 400 pages. So I wanted to look for something smaller. This is less um, than 200 page. Less than 200. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely because we we blast through maybe 20, 30 pages of book club because we have discussion, you know. So we go through about 20, 30 pages. So it's it's healthy, it's nice. But I was trying to think about other things. Um, and another one we I know we're gonna do. I just don't know when 
is ideological origins of the American Revolution, Bernard Balin, because of the 1619 Project. This is the most, and we didn't even get a chance to talk about something like this, but the most egregious, false claim, and demonstrably false claim in the world that the American Revolution was started to preserve slavery. That is a lie of the highest order. It's not even remotely true. And apparently, uh, I mean, you could pop on Netflix right now, Frank, and you have like eight people reference it in there. It was some new series or new movie or something. So it, th this misinformation is dangerous, man. Yeah. It's, it's being disseminated and it's dangerous because that is not our history whatsoever. Rich, all I, I this. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you. Happy Valentine's Day to Laura. Uh, I hope you guys are, uh, are are doing well down there. Send my best to the, the entire family, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again in March. Right back at you at yours, Frank. See you soon, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, now I didn't take. <laughs> what, what, what did she just say? Frank said, hey Frank, she said, give my future daughter-in-law a kiss for me. Yeah, you know, I know. I told Lauren about that. She says, she said, no. She said, Frank, no arranged marriages. I said, okay. No arranged yeah. marriages. <laughs> Laura's old school. <laughs> yeah. You know, my grandparents were in arranged marriage on my mother's side. Oh, yeah? Well, well thank you. I kid you not. Well, you know what? Thank God for that, because here you are. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All the best. All right, bye-bye. There you go, ladies and gents. Rich Barris, eight thirty-two. Boy, that was that that would that hit the spot, didn't it? All right, we're gonna be right back. A little bit of intermission, and I uh, I might play a uh, short, maybe a short song. I don't know, something just to give me a, a just a second to recoup over here, and then we'll take your calls and super chats to end the show. Perfect, perfect night. Great Monday. We'll be right back. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. Quite frankly. Quite not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly, with Frank.
quite frankly. How dare you? It used to be fun. Now it's slowly killing me. I may have a problem, according to Google. I'm convinced there's no fixing me. It feeds, it feeds, it feeds on my weakness. It stays, it stays, it stays on my love. It sleeps, it sleeps, it sleeps. When I pretend to live, had you under control?
Okay. Welcome everybody. Welcome back. You know, I first I have this first thing I have to do is I have to say hello Polly. Amazing Polly's in the Rumble chat. She's been hanging out and I'm just so happy to see her. I'm so happy to see. Her. I hope that she prank phone calls me one night. I would love I would be honored just to get a prank phone call <laughs> from from Polly. Polly. <laughs> prank phone call from Polly. That would be wonderful. But I'm happy to see she's having a good time and she's mixing it up. She says she can't believe she's so happy she's able to get into the chat. I wonder what that means. Is she not able to get into other chats? I know that Rumble's a bit wonky going through its growing pains over here, which so far people say that we are solid. I dropped the bit rate down about a thousand and I dropped the frames per second down from about 30 to 25. And it looks like we're in a sweet spot. Is anybody else having problems? Widespread problems. If you're having personal problems, I, I can't get into that. Widespread problems. So, hello, Polly. So good to see her. All right, first thing I'm doing is I'm going to I'm going to mix up these names. I'm going to tell you who won my copy of C.S. Lewis: The Great Divorce. Here we go. There's about 80 names in here, and I'm going to make sure that my my fingers touch each one so you can't say, oh, that one, you know, you, no. There's going to be a whole lot of touching going on here. So anybody could win. Remember, only one name, one entry per person. There was no duplicates that were put in there, no matter how many Super Chats were dropped. And this is over the course of the last two, two weeks, two and a half weeks. Here we go. I feel it. Here's the winner. Here's the winner. Who is it? Shotzi. I know Shotzi. Shotzi won it. That's it. I feel bad for the rest of the 79 of you. There you have it. So I'll write a little something in there for Shotzi. Say, hey, enjoy this, man. And tomorrow, for those of you who've been waiting to, to read along, I'll, uh, I'll put this... I'll put the whole thing live on YouTube tomorrow, and then and then I'll put it up on SoundCloud as well. So Shotzi wins that. There you go. Congratulations! And tomorrow is going to be the giveaway for um, monthly subscribers. If you are a monthly subscriber, you are automatically entered into a monthly uh, giveaway. And tomorrow we are going to randomize the name who wins that, and that is the UFO drone that our. I think I think it was Mary who won last. She didn't want it. She just said, "I just thank you so much. Give it to the next person." So we have the UFO drone plus a piece of silver from Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. So you're going to get a round of silver, and you're going to get a uh, a really fun UFO drone. And that's for anybody. You still have time to become a a sponsor on Subscribestar or something like that, and you'll be in the running. And that happens every month. All right, into the super chats we go. Let us see. Here we go. First one up. Good Monday, Frank and Franklies. Wonderful to start the week off with Rich. We support great independent, quite frankly, media. Bring on the week, says Stosub. Thank you. Thank you. Is it snowing where you are? Let me see. Do I have the power? 
See anything falling out the window? Huh? No, I don't think so. I need a more powerful flashlight than that. But I would see it in that alleyway out there. All the way up here. Very cozy. When it uh, when it snows in that alleyway, alleyway over there. It looks like a classic scene from somewhere. And uh, you can write a you can write a book just about that alleyway in the snow. Uh, Tamari Allard, Tamari Allard, T is this is are they just trying to make me say something? Hold on, no. Tammy, Tam, thank you so much. So glad I found your channel via Robert Phoenix interview. Fantastic show tonight. Thank you, Tamari. Thank you, and and I can't wait to have Robert back on. That was one of my favorite interviews to do over the last uh over the last year really was he was a he was a great very accommodating host i really think that anybody if you haven't seen that with robert phoenix go check out my appearance there um i love telling i love telling the behind the scenes story you know i love telling i love talking about how we all got here and what we were interested in and stuff I know because we talk about current events and theories and history and all that stuff, people direct their lines of questioning in a little bit more of that range, which is fine. But man, do I love just talking about life. I love it. So. All right, where are we going? Where are we going? Uh, hey, hates, uh, hate losing. Hate losing sent a really nice super chat. No message attached, but I know what they mean. They just, they're having a good time. And so am I. Booze Fighter Ahab says, one for the book. Looking forward to the amazing Rich Barris tonight. Much love. 26 Ahab. Thank you for that, my friend. Thank you. Um, let's see. On over to the Rumble. Now, Rumble, man, I only got one here for Nana Knows. Welcome, Amazing Polly. I saw one before from Christoa, but because I re uh, reloaded the page to see what the, the viewership was like, and obviously it's, it's nice again because there's a lot of people watching over on Rumble, I might have lost track of Rumble's got a terrible, terrible Rumble rant situation going on. It doesn't set them aside. So... I'm really sorry if I missed you there. Email the show if I missed you on Rumble. Witchy Poo says, good evening, everyone. Chai Possum says, Frank's going to get snow tonight, finally. I'm fine with nothing. But if it's going to, to get here, then of course it's an overnight an overnight storm. And it was nothing that, that would give me a snow day. Uh, but at least the baby will get to play in it, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't turn to rain. Paulie9363, the pain of truth, you are allowed to laugh. Keith says, Rich done any polling on Pfizer executive James O'Keefe put light on and the guy spiraling insane. Uh, wait, Rich done any polling on the Pfizer exec that James O'Keefe put light on and the guy spiraling insane instantly. I don't know um, if he did any polling on that. Maybe Rich is watching right now and he'll... I don't know what there's to poll. There was a sight to behold, but I don't know what you would poll on that. Maybe Rich has an idea. Uh, Witchy Poo, thank you. Boys Blanc, thank you. Sean Joe, Witchy Poo again. Sean Joe, Witchy Poo, they're all throwing each other into the cookie pit. 
and thank you guys and gals so much for that it's 841 now on tonight tonight is mystery movie monday on quite frankly tv starting at nine o'clock i don't know what what they have ready to play but there'll be something there for everybody last night i featured as part of frank's picks i had a lot of cool stuff there but we played tropic thunder because of you know because the headlines on Friday, and that was a lot of fun. And you know what I realized with Tropic Thunder? You have got to watch the theatrical release. Do not get fooled by buying the director's cut, which I did. The theatrical release is actually, I think, better. There's a lot of stuff that I'm glad that they cut out of the director's cut that made it drag a little bit more and made really tight, funny scenes dragged out and um, just, it, it just it just threw the timing off. Whoever edited it for the theaters was brilliant, and uh, it's still a good movie. But but definitely definitely only go and watch the theatrical release if you have some kind of a a, uh, a hankering for Tropic Thunder. All right, nine one four five nine five six nine five three. You can call to the show. Let me know what you think. What is going on with you? 914-595-6953. Got a little bit of time, and I'm going to take one or two calls, and then we'll be done. We'll be done. Have really great stuff for the rest of the week lined up. And I have a lot that has to be held over until next week. Because there's just no room. There is no room. I have a thread here on community. A community building thread. That, that would be filed under survival, I, I suppose. There's another story here about the Lazarus Effect, a history-defined article. Her name is Essie Dunbar, the woman who lived for another 40 years after being buried alive. So I guess it was the, the old Lazarus syndrome. We'll do that one night, maybe on a Friday night when we're feeling a little spooky. 814, you're on the air. Who's this? Frank, you actually took the call. How oh, you doing? I'm doing well. Who's this? Uh, my name is uh, Wendy, like the wind. Oh, what's going on, Wendy? How are you? Windy, that is. Like oh, the wind. windy, windy. Okay, well, windy. It's a, uh, it's, it's good to have you on here, Windy. And you're outside too. You're windy outside as well. I am. I'm just about everywhere. How about that? <laughs> so, what's on your mind? Hey, Frank. Um, well, I love the show, and uh, I just – it's so funny that you just mentioned Polly because um, I got a little funny story here for you. So um, it was like the beginning of February, and I took off to uh, Cincinnati because I wanted to go see um, uh, Jordan Peterson. He was having a show in Cincinnati, believe it or not. And I didn't have any tickets or anything for the show. I just decided to, like, spur of the moment, just decided to – do you if I could get in, right? So um, I headed up there, and uh, I wrote him a letter. And I wanted to kind of let him know, well, a couple of things, actually. I wanted to let him know about my, my good friend. I'm going to uh, drop his name. His name is Mark Malone, and he's got a website called uh, America21century.com, and he has a, a great kind of um, to-do list of things uh, to, to people to kind of get involved with in, in their, you know, uh, local area mm-hmm. to um, 
you'll have to check it out. He's got a whole thesis statement and everything like that. But I also wrote a letter to, uh, and included in that letter to Dr. Jordan Jordan Peterson, excuse me, uh, a little ditty about um, Amazing Polly, because I just think she's so amazing, and I just wanted him to know about her and wanted him to know, like, there's more of us out here that know that know what the heck is going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just in general or Canadians and, Canadians in particular? I'm sorry, say that again? Just in, in general or Canadians in particular? Because they have that in common as well. Well, exactly. And and I did mention that. I was like, hey, you know, it might even tug at your heartstrings that she is a fellow Canadian. Okay. So, um, did, so did he respond? Well, it, no. <laughs> at, at the end of the show... Um, uh, like I included my email and my phone number, and I was like half expecting to not even be able to to get in and get this letter to him. Um, but at the end of the show, there was a guy that was coming along, and he was picking up the um, his notes that he had taped to the to the floor of the show. Right. And uh, and I said, Hey, I, I have this letter. You know, like the typical fangirl. That's, <laughs> I have this letter. Will you um? make sure that you get it to Jordan Peterson. He said, yeah, absolutely, I'll get it to him. And um, anyways, those two things in particular, um, my friend Mark Malone and, and mentioning Amazing Polly in there, and then she comes out with these videos about Jordan Peterson, and I thought, oh, shit, I really I really uh, put the cart before the horse on that one. Maybe I was a little bit too... Um, well, you listen. You listen, you, you, Wendy. You're on the uh, you're, you're you're on the road to enlightenment. You you see a, you you hear things. Listen. Well, like we said the other day about controlled opposition, and thank you for the call. Um, uh, the other day about controlled opposition. As long I think everybody in this day and age, as long as you just don't just become so in love with personalities, and you just. Just take things for what what they are. You gauge. That's it. Just just information in, information out. You set up your filters along uh, over time, and uh, if something smells bad at some point, then I don't know. I think your gut your gut tells you a lot more than you think. So, but that's uh that's one hell of a story. That's windy. Let's see if we have room for one more now. Nine one four five nine five six nine five three. I'm just I'm just here for the next couple of seconds. I was talking a little bit about that that not dead, the not dead woman who lived for 40 more years. Let's, here's another call. 917, you're on the air. Who this? Are you speaking with me? Yes, yes. Who is this? My name is Cynthia Chris. Hello, Cynthia. I love, I love your show, especially the one with Tracy Beans. I wanted to tell you, I love that you're wearing something other than white T-shirts. Well, so, well, you know, I enjoy the, the the comfort of a white T-shirt, and that's just. I. Know. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah. Well. But I really wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Frank. Go ahead. I recently heard you uh, interviewed with Mel Kay, and I just, it was a fabulous, fabulous interview. Thank you. And I'm wondering why no mention of Tracy came up in the interview. Where? And no mention of your show. I'm a well, I'm a I'm a famous not promoter of my show, 
Oh, what are we talking about? Okay. Are, are you wait, are you talking about my my this show? This is my show, or you're talking about Dark to Light? Dark to Light. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I, know. I was just surprised in your interview with her, and it was a fabulous interview. I I learned so much about you. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I was just curious why it never came up, and um, the other thing is, I wish that my office was closer to you. I'm an extraordinary massage therapist. But when you get back trouble, I'd be happy to work on you as a gift. I, I would love that. Uh, I, I would also, you know, my, my biggest problem right now uh, is Cynthia, you said, right? Yeah, that's right. My biggest problem is the, the, the TMJ. I don't have I don't have any pain in my jaw, but there's just a lot of tightness in the jaw, and I I, I need that. I'm a, to... I'm a specialist with TNJ. Great. I do craniosacral therapy. I'm in Sullivan County, so if you and Lauren and the baby in the spring want to drive out, I'd be happy to work on you for free. Yeah, I would just like a, I, if you could just punch me really hard in the left the left jaw. That would be that would be great. No, I I charge extra to hit people. Okay. That's fine. Well, I appreciate that. Was a, that was a that was a joke. <laughs> it's okay. I get it. I get it. No, I love it. Cynthia, thank you for the call, and I hope that I get God one. God bless of, you. Yeah, you too. You too. I really hope I get one of your massages one day. As far as why I didn't bring up Tracy or the morning show, I don't know. It just didn't didn't come up. It's not like I was asked about it. You know, I I do the 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 Thursday the Thursday afternoon show with Adel and and Zach at four p.m. as well. They didn't come either. Uh, I'm just I'm just representing, quite frankly, when I go out into the world, and um, and uh, and yeah, that's that's just really it. But boy, oh boy, back massage. Maybe I can uh, maybe I can get Lauren to use the the, the massage gun on me tonight. Just really just blast my back away. It's not really the back that uh, you know. It's it's all hip. It's all hip flexors now. I'm just trying to, just trying to get, just open the hips up. That's my issue. That's my issue. It must be genetic. All right, that's it for tonight. It's eight fifty six. Oh, you know, you know, do we have one more call? Let's try one more. Five five nine. You're on the air. Who's this? Oh, hi. Yeah, my name is Craig Altabelli, and I just wanted to call and say hi. I love the show, and a lot of people out there need uh, a lot of help, and I like that HCQ. Been on it for, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks. All my inflammation's gone away. Oh, really? What kind of inflammation do you have uh, prior to? Oh, just, uh, you know, lots of stuff. Uh, the knees, the hips, the uh, ankles. I play a lot of tennis, and... Uh, taking a beating you know yeah 40 uh, some years yeah well that's so what... I, i've been on it and uh, i was only going to take it if i got sick and now it's just incredible how it's how i feel well i'm glad i'm you know i'm glad that that's another one of these things you said your name is craig all right thank you so much you wait did you i'm sorry what was your name again Oh, it's uh, Craig uh, Altabelli. Oh, well, you didn't. Well, Craig, it's a... Uh, out here in California, Craig Altabelli. Oh, well, you sound like a nice Californian, and uh, thank you. So, thank <laughs> well, you. We're, all, we're all nice out here. I, I've the, been uh, there. I've been there a couple of times. Are, are you anywhere near oh, the Anaheim area, or are you more so up up near in like the in the good no, country? No, I was in Anaheim. I'm, I'm in central California now, between uh, Bakersfield and uh, Fresno. Gotcha. That's, it, it, sounds, it yeah. sounds very sunny. What's the weather like right now? Oh, it's been raining. God bless. We've been, uh, we're inundated with rain. Unfortunately, too much. Our trees are falling. Oh, my gosh. 
But you're, in, but yeah. it's an, it's mostly an arid climate, so you, you, it must be good to have a little bit of rain, uh, but not well, all, not all at once. We, that's right. That's right. right. That's right. And we'd like to keep it, so maybe we can get our governor to keep it instead of running it to the uh, ocean. Yeah. Well, you got to save. Yeah. You got to save those turtles, my friend. And I'm. Uh, the, the, I, I hope. <laughs> I hope that everything is well by you. And I'm happy that you are. You have a lot less inflammation ever since uh, the yeah, the HCQ. You. Yeah, I, I really hope it helps everybody else too. All right, my friend. Have a good one, Craig. Take. God thank bless you, your brother. You too. Yeah, you too. There you go. Craig just co- Craig just calling in to talk to me about his uh, his tennis his tennis ankles. You know that's 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 good. I thought I was going to get three calls about. Uh, what, what was the first call about? It's about Rich. Anything Rich say? No, no, nothing. Nothing relating the, to the first half, but still, I like getting the calls, and you just never know what's coming through. Anyway, here's what's going on. Movie Monday. The clue, the quote, the clue quote is, well, every day is a workout when you got to carry around a 20-pound python in your jeans. That's the clue. So enjoy yourselves. Quitefrankly.tv, that is starting momentarily. I'm going to just make sure that I didn't get any, uh, I didn't miss anybody over here. I'm really happy that we figured out Rumble because that was wearing on me all weekend. How the hell are we going to get this back? Uh, Hugh Jadik is on Rumble Rants. A very nice gesture from Hugh. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, my friend. And that's all we have. Good night, everybody. I will see you tomorrow. And uh, it's going to be a short show, but a really, really good one. I'm looking forward to it. Got a great guest. I'll see you at 7. Be well. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is Film Before Alive, studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Stostube, Tamari Allard, Hate Losin', and Booze Fighter Ahab, not to be done, outdone by all of our friends on Rumble and on Pilled.net, which is on QuiteFrankly.tv, which is about to unload on everybody for the rest of the evening with wonderful after-hours programming. So go check it out. Get into the chat room. I'm sure I will see many of you soon. And that's it for tonight. Thanks again to Rich Barris. 